So welcome to SD Europe's podcast. My name is Lou Cox. I lead SD Europe's communications. And today we have a special episode um, as it is the 8th of March, which is International Women's Day 2021. So for this episode, I get out of the way and I hand the reins over to Daphne Goldschmidt, who is one of SD Europe's board members, who will be interviewing Helen Bright and Sophia Berlin to hear about their experiences as women leading national supporters organisations. Essentially, the aim of this podcast is to just celebrate and give a platform to some of the exceptional women that are a part of SD Europe and the organisation's network. So without further ado, I will now hand over to Daphne, who will be hosting this podcast. Hey, ladies. So my name is Daphne Goldschmidt, and I am a board member of SD Europe and the former chairwoman of Apoel Katamon Jerusalem, the first member-run football club in Israel. For International Women's Day 2021, we decided to do a podcast focusing specifically on women in SD Europe's network. So I'm kicking Luke out of his episode, who usually hosts the, po- the podcast, uh, so this can be an all-women's affair. To celebrate the women of SD Europe's network, I will be speaking to two individuals who are leading supporter agendas in footballs in their respective countries to hear about their experiences. So welcome Helen Bright and Sophia Bolin. Helen heads Unser Curve, you're gonna have to correct me on that, an umbrella fans organization in Germany, representing supporters groups from across the country, which was recently involved in the DFL task force meetings, bridging dialogue between fans and the league. The curve represents fan groups from the grassroots game to the professional level with over 22 member groups and over 300,000 beneficiaries. While Sofia is the chairwoman of her organization, the SFSU, the Swedish Football Supporters Union. The SFSU has forged a successful trusting relationship with the country's football authorities, which it holds regular dialogue with. Sophia is also a member of the SD board with me, and I have the honor bragging that we are a 50%, we are actually gender equal on our board, and we are also proud to have a female CEO to our organization, which is Tony. So I think that's a really good kickoff. So Helen, Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, um, Helene here, and I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. And Sophia here. I'm uh, really happy to be here with you today. Yay, I'm so happy to have you two with me. So I'm going to try to begin with you two telling me each about your organizations, your role within the organization, and maybe for how long you've been involved. So Helen, let's start with you. Um, I, I think you did uh, the introduction very well for Unsere Kurve, so I don't know what to tell you guys um, more, but um, Unsere Kurve, so you call it in Germany uh, like this, is an umbrella organization of local fan organizations in Germany. And uh, as you said, we have uh, 22 local fan organizations. And in 2019, we decided to found an Eingetragenen Verein, you call it in German. Uh, it's a registered association, uh, which is very common in Germany, a member one organization. And this was very important for us 
uh, to have the opportunity to make project applications, uh, build more professional structures in our organization. Um, so unsere Kurve, uh, we do have it uh, since 2005. And since uh, 2019, we are um, the Eingetragene Verein. And I was elected as the first uh, chairperson. And um, my role is to represent unsere Kurve in the public, in the media, and of course, in the dialogue with the national football associations, DFL and DFB, and all the stuff uh, you have to do when you are a chairperson. Sophia? Yes, so SFSU, so we are, um, as you said in the introduction, an umbrella organization for Swedish football supporters. And uh, we've existed since I think it's 2009. And we have about 50 to 60 members, uh, member organizations that um, covers the top second and third league in Sweden. And uh, What's the strength for SFSU is that we, um, we cover both uh, the um, supporter clubs, the support organization, but also the ultra groups. So we have quite a wide spectrum of, uh, of supporters in SFSU, which is a strength, but it's uh, also somewhat a challenge sometimes to unite in, in, in some areas. Um, uh, we have different uh, functions in the arena and, and different interests, but I think it's in Sweden, it's also the strength to really be able to say that we are truly representing all, all kinds of supporters. Uh, we've been working with uh, the Swedish League and also the Swedish FA for uh, quite a time now and have uh, successfully uh, built a relationship and dialogue with them and uh, truly unifying um, um, Swedish football. And I would say it's uh, we really hit the mark when uh, the Swedish police went on and said it was, it was a problem that the supporters and the league and the FA were too close and had too good relationship for them. So it's, um, and my role in, in SFSU, I've been the chairwoman for, I think it's since 2015 now. Uh, so it's quite a while, and I've been, um, been active in SFSU since 2013. Um, time flies. <laughs> You're having fun. So, um, Helen, I'm going to get back to you and then roll back from what uh, Sophia just touched, and that is actually being a chair. So how, how did this happen for you? Uh, you were stating that you were the first chairwoman, so please tell us about how this happened and maybe if it was a challenge or maybe it was difficult or maybe it wasn't. I would love to hear that. Yeah, I think it uh, can be a very short story because uh, I was just elected and I was asked if I want to do that and I said yes, okay, but I think it's uh, it's not so short um, if, if you look on the on the whole thing. Um, I started my work in Unsere Kurve in 2013. Um, then my organization uh, got a member uh, was a member of Unsere Kurve. Um, it's Supporters Group Freiburg, and since then I'm working on different topics. And I was in the AG Fan Kulturen uh, since. 2016. It's the dialogue with uh, DFB and DFL, our FAs. And um, in 2019, we decided to make uh, the Eingetragene Verein from Unsere Kurve, the member-run club. 
And uh, since then I was elected and it was, uh, yeah, they just asked me if I want to do that. But I think uh, it depends on the work I did for Unsere Kurve and the different topics I was into. And I worked into because I'm very interested in fan politics. And I was it when I was younger, when I was about 17, I started to be a more active fan and um, on the local level and then on the national wide level. Yeah, I think that's a short story. Thank you, Helen. So I am going to continue with a fresh question for Sophia, rolling back on you talking about the relationships and the dialogue that SFSU has been creating. Tell me about one accomplishment that you're proud of. One, it, it can be big, it can be small, but just tell me a story around it. I love you talking about the connection that you represent the ultras and also the clubs, because I think you're the only ones. I think you're the only umbrella organization in Europe and in general that has the ability to, to, to have dialogue with both the stakeholders and you know how to talk to the ultras and you know how to talk to the government. I think that's a really good, cool. Um, but that's... But that's not really my accomplishment. Oh, right. It's also yours. Um, that's the thing. Women never own up to accomplishments. Something that the mm -hmm. Americans have taught me is yeah. that you really need to own your accomplishments and be proud of them. Because it's this thing about women around the world that we're not allowed to celebrate the things that we actually accomplish. And for me, it's double. It's, it's the, the Jante law in Sweden. I think Germany has some of it as well. It's like, don't think you are something. You are not better than anyone else. <laughs> so it's a double pressure on standing out here. Um, um, so I think something that I've been really proud of for the work that uh, I've done and together with my board in SFSU, it's, it's to um, move the organization even further than it was when I took over. I think Tony Ernst did an amazing job to really start up and, and um, cement the, the dialogue that we had uh, with, uh, with the Swedish League. Uh, but when I took over, most of the board members left. Uh, hope it was not because of me, but they stayed on in, in the network. Uh, so truly take that position that we had gotten through Tony Ernst um, and to really reorganize the, the internal structure and how can we be more professional? How can we take this to a new level in the media and, and um, together with um, uh, the league and the, also the FA, um, we had so high expectations on us uh, and the, the supporters, the members uh, from the ultra groups, from the supporter clubs, had also now high expectations on the organization that they were a part of, that they had formed. Um, so it took a lot of work to set the structure again and to get the roles all sorted out. So I think one of the moments when I felt that we've really actually uh, done this and, and achieved something good is when we rolled out uh, a really big campaign a few years ago that's called Save Swedish Football. Um, and the, the, the full impact uh, of that, 
um, and one personal, um, I wouldn't say, um, one personal um, recognition for that. And it, it's hard to say being um, Swedish, we don't say that we are better than anyone and we shouldn't take credit for anything, but it's one of the um, biggest newspapers in Sweden. They do a list every year of the most influential and uh, uh, people of power. And I was um, classified as the 34th most influential and powerful woman in Sweden. Um, I'm getting higher, <laughs> I get and a higher position than some of the politicians. And um, so it, that was an achievement for me, but also for the supporters for football to be able to even qualify for this list that were of celebrities, uh, politicians, uh, high CEOs and in, in the business world. Um, so it's really taking that step forward and uh, being a part of the, the bigger society. We are not just people who go to a sport. We, we are so much more than that. So, Wow. Thank you, Sophia. What a great answer. And I love the ending. And I know it's difficult for you to talk about uh, yourself and your accomplishments. So thank you so much. That, that was great. Um, so Helen, Tell me about something that you as an organization have managed to do, lead, be part of, and that you're very proud of. Um, yeah, first, uh, that's, that's awesome what uh, Sophia uh, said. I'm really impressed of that. Um, I think what uh, we did, uh, especially in the last two years, is um, to um, to start to make professional structures in our work, but uh, not to earn money for that because so we are all um, unsalaried um, people working, but, uh, but we did, um, I think we, we did a huge step. Do you say that in English? I have no idea, um, but maybe you understand it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and I think we, we got read more in the public, especially in the last year. And I made a lot of uh, interviews in TV and in uh, newspaper and, uh, podcasts and wherever and so um, I think it's a little bit similar because we people got to um, know from us and not only are these are the football people they recognized okay these uh, people fans are clever fans are smart they uh, think about what happens in the world and what happens in football and they fight against discrimination but they also support their club. And so it's, it's um, I think this was uh, for me a very good experience that people understood what, what it means to be a fan and that it's not only going to the stadium and support your club, it's more and more and more and more. And this is what I really love in football and why I love football because you, you have everything of the life uh, there and you can try to, um, yeah, to change, uh, change uh, things in a positive way. And um, I think this is what something uh, we, we all in Unsukurva can be very proud of that. And I think I've, um, I did all the best I, I can do in this. I, I've, um, I'm not very nervous uh, right now. I was very nervous to speak in the TV or something like that. But uh, now I get used to it a little bit more. And I think um, everyone should bring 
um, this, uh, what you can in, in the organization. And so what I can bring is uh, writing texts or texts and, and, and uh, speak about uh, stuff, not very good in English, better in German. Um, but uh, yeah, and to bring it to the public and to explain what people mean when they make a banner and, um, and that there's a story behind it. And, and maybe translating a little bit more into the FA, into the public, into people who also uh, like football, but um, have another way to be a football fan than we. I love your answer, Helen, because that's, I think that's the reason where we're in football. It's about developing communities and understanding that we have a responsibility. It's not only the opportunity to be a fan, it's also the responsibility and the accountability towards our communities, our fans, our clubs, and our societies at large. It's, it, it, when we think about football, I think it's the largest um, thing that unifies people in the world after religion. So it has strong impact. And I love your answer because it, it reflects just that. So thank you. <laughs> Sophia, I'm moving back to you. So since this is International Women's Month, uh, where we're kind of focusing on the gender issue and talking about us as females in this world of football. Now, we know uh, from our experiences and our lives as football fans and supporters that there are women uh, in the stands. It's not necessarily 50%, but we know that there are women around us. How many women are within your organization, Sophia? And it's not about the number. I actually want to know if the number increased uh, ever since you've been in the organization and chairwoman. I think if, if I look at the board, I think we've um, had about maybe 30% in the board. So we are not an equal board. And I think that's been uh, pending or had been in the same number since I started. Uh, however, I, I do see an increase of um, women in the, in the SFSU network um, during the last maybe five years. Um, before it's always been uh, like a hardcore inner circle. Um, I think that's where we found both men and women, but they've seen in the gatherings uh, and also around Swedish football with new, um, new groups, new female groups um, taking place, more women taking higher positions. Um, I'm not sure about this year, but last year, I think we had in the top league, uh, we had from uh, the e, I think all the all the big biggest teams except for one, uh, and in total of eight support organizations had uh, women on uh, shares. So it's, that's amazing. Um, yes. So um, two clubs from Stockholm, um, two from Gothenburg, and uh, from uh, Malmö FF as well, and. Uh, and then uh, some of the more smaller ones outside in, in Sweden. It's um, having the highest position in, in football uh, in their f football organization, and it's um, it's really seeing this development and seeing more women taking a higher position, being be more organized, um, and also being a, an influence and the role models for new people in, in the stands or in the sitting section, wherever they are, 
um, seeing them in the news articles or in podcasts or just um, representing um, is something that I lacked and truly missed when I was 17, 18, 19 and wondered how can I get organized? How can I do something else or do more for my club? And uh, from that time, I can't remember seeing any other women around in, in that kind of function. I love that. And I love the increase. That number of chairwomen's is phenomenal. It's something that should be highlighted. And it says a lot about the positive or the, the positive impact that women have around the table when making decisions. I think that that's something very important. It's not that they're there to be a trophy, but it's there that, that you're saying seven of eight um, clubs have a female chairwoman. Uh, that, that, that is phenomenal. But how does it affect decision-making? I assume it makes decision-making better and so many other things. So thank you for sharing, Sophia. So Helen, I'm shooting back the same question to you in the same. So how many women are involved in or around your organization? Uh, please share. Um, I had to count it. Uh, I, I read the question before. <laughs> I had to count it uh, before. Um, we are about 60 people in Unsere Kurve who we come from the local organizations. And it's less than 20% women. And that's uh, not where we go. <laughs> I think we have to increase that. And we are um, still discussing about how we how can we increase it because we will not have, a, we can't go to the local organizations and tell them you have to change it. But I think we have to discuss it um, in Unsere Kurve and then with the representatives um, from the uh, local fan organizations and supporters clubs. And uh, think about the that why is it important that also women are represented there? And we have in the, in the stands um, about 20 to 30% a woman. So it's, I think it's okay because it's our 20% um, are nearly the same, but it's uh, not enough. I think we are in the board, uh, we, have, we are five persons and one is a woman, it's me. <laughs> And I, um, when, when there was the election, I told them I want to have a second woman. And then it wasn't possible to find a second woman in the short time. And I really want to change that because I think that is one problem that it's uh, sometimes you hurry because you think, okay, now is the election. Oh, I didn't ask another woman. And why is there no woman? And then um, another man gets elected. And so I think we have to speak it all about that all the time and to speak and, and ask women if they want to do it because my experience is um, that men, um, yeah, sometimes they say, oh yeah, I know I can do that and uh, please vote me. <laughs> and I know a lot of women who are really qualified to do that, but uh, they wait uh, if someone asks them to do that or um, if there's another woman for example and, and they can be, be part of it and not be the only one and I think this is very important so I hope uh, we are on the way uh, to have a more equal representative in Unsere Kurve and I think this can have an effect to the local supporters clubs um, yeah but uh, I think in, in Unsere Kurve if you look at the um, the different groups where we work together on special topics, it's pretty good. And the women are very active. 
And so, so they, for example, um, about less, a little bit less than 20%, but they're very active in, in working and you see them there and they're very visible there. And now we have to bring them that everyone can see them. And I think this is so important that um, women are in a chairperson um, because people have to see that it's possible, that it works, but also that it's not very special. It is special on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's not very special because of course we can speak, of course we can work, of course we can do this work. Um, yeah, and so I think it's both and um, we are still discussing about that and how we can uh, get more equal in this. I love the fact it's a discussion, um, Helen. I love that the fact that as an umbrella organization, you're actually questioning it because that's something that hasn't happened in the past. I'm going to say a side note here, even though I'm uh, moderating today. I'm, I'm going to say I, I was chairwoman of an organization that before I was there, I was the first ever board member and the first ever chairwoman. But it really is about the visibility. I never planned on being chairwoman. I, I understood the responsibility and the impact that becoming chairwoman will uh, bring to the future generation. Because just like Helen was saying, and just like Sophia was saying, you can't be what you can't see. So Sophia was talking about her being a young teenager and finding the place where she wants to be represented. And Helen with you being involved so many years and having active women around the organization itself. But when it comes to being in the policy chair in the decision-making chair, there's this very big gap that we need to overcome. I agree that among the three of us, nothing in the world should be special about the fact that we are females and chairwomen. The day uh, this becomes irrelevant is the day that we will have gender equality. So let's just hope in the near future, the future generation is not being, I think are a lot more knowledgeable about the fact that uh, women have equal opportunities and equal rights. Um, so um, I, I love that. Thank you for both your answers. They were so inspiring. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm like moving on, but I'm actually overwhelmed. I love your answers. <laughs> um, I, I think we touched it a little, but, but how do we create, how do we make the board or the, the chair, or how do we make these positions more accessible? How, how do we ensure that there are more women after us. We, we can be the first, but we can't be the last. So Sophia, we're starting with you. I think it's, a, it's not an easy question, uh, but an important one. Uh, I think it, uh, you touched it a lot um, with um, having it or visual. We, we need to see more women there, there, but I think it's also, it's good to remember that um, it's not a quota that we have to have 30% or 40% women there. So if one woman leaves, only one woman can join. Um, it's, it's about um, encouraging and lifting up uh, everyone and uh, not just being competitors um, towards each other. But if, if, if you have taken a higher position, you can also take a step towards the side and reach out your hand and lift someone up. Um, I think that's really important to, to keep in mind. I think that's also part of your responsibility when you have, have taken yourself to a high position to, uh, to look uh, towards a step below you who are waiting there, who are standing there and who, who are looking for 
a place to um, have their um, engagement or taking on a higher responsibility. Um, it, it's not easy always to recognize, but it's, it's important to keep in mind. Uh, but also to just break down those barriers that already are there and, and take the hard questions. I think for us who are the first women in that position, it's not easy. We, we need to be the first one that also pushes down some barriers and, and um, pave the way for others um, so that they can take even more ground uh, when they are there as well. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's a hard, hard position uh, and a lot of responsibility being the first, but it's rewarding when we can see even more are, are joining us. I love that, Sophia. It, it was great. It, it, it's true. I, I think the biggest problem that we need to understand that in order for 50% of women to be in the boardroom, there are 50% of people that are not going to be in the boardroom anymore. And I think that one of the major barriers that we actually need to um, try to kind of remember and try to address is that the first thing is we're not in this alone. I am very privileged to say that the men on my side and on my board and in my organization have promoted me to the place where I was. And I, I'm very thankful for that. But the thing is, it should be it should be something we address all the time when we're building our organizations and looking towards capacity building. It's also how we develop our organization. So if we're bringing another person onto the payroll, we want to see that it is diverse. We want to see that it is gender inclusive. Like you start to understand that there are so many other places where you want to see women reflected um, within football. So um, I love that. Um, Helen, tell me how you did address it a little about uh, the discussions that you're having within the organization of how do you increase uh, the number of women. And you're saying about the fact that you wanted another woman on the board. And that that's a high number because the difference between one and two is 100%. And that is doubling the number of women that are in policy and decision-making. So that's actually usually the toughest um, gap to overcome. So tell me just a little bit about your discussions or like how it rises within the organization uh, and maybe any insights that you've had. Um, I think we are really at the beginning of the discussion because I think um, for me as a woman, it was especially as a woman in football, I had a long time when I didn't want to speak about women in football because I didn't want to, um, to speak about me and about women and I, I wanted to speak about football and to uh, show everyone that I can do that or not football but uh, fans and all the stuff and um, so I needed a long time yeah to to open me for that and it wasn't that it was never a topic for me it was a topic for me of course but I I didn't uh, want to speak about being a woman first I wanted to speak about being a football fan first and then a lot of other uh, things and then being a woman. And now that changed, I think it's it's pretty normal because uh, you get older and you don't have to do the other things. You did that already, then you have time to speak about being a woman. And I think this is really important that every woman who can, not every wo woman has to do that, every woman who can and 
who feels uh, confident with that should do that, but the others don't have to. And all the men have to do that also, because we, we can also uh, reach that goal together. And that is very important for me, especially in football, because um, it's, it's not possible uh, to do it without the men. We do need, need them and we do need very good networks. And um, a lot of times people ask me, what were your, your um, barriers to, to um, come into being a chairperson, for example. And um, mine are different than Sophia's, than yours, than uh, from another woman. And so I think we have to speak about that and open a space where everyone can tell about that, to learn from that, and then to find ways for everyone. Because um, if I say, for example, I was all, the, all my time, my life, I was very loud. And, and it wasn't hard for me to speak in front of people. And that's not because I'm a woman or if I was a man, it's uh, how I got uh, educated and my, um, my biography is, is for that responsible. And um, I know a lot of women uh, who had no mom and dad who said, yes, you can be everything you want in your life. And so we have to, do, to be these people. We have to tell everyone you can do everything what you want and I support you. And so I think we have to, um, yeah, have spaces where we can speak about that and where um, women feel free to, to uh, speak about uh, things which are not very easy for them and where they need help without um, being weak. Uh, because that's very difficult, I think, uh, to speak about things where you need uh, help and also show that you, you, are, you are very strong. And um, yeah, I think uh, speaking about is very, very important, but also the structures. And I want to speak about the structures. And um, I, we had the Zukunft um, Profi Fußball project. It's about reforms in football in Germany. And uh, we told the football associations that they do have to change um, the structures to get more women in the boards of the FAs. And then I said, okay, we, we, we tell that the FAs, but what, what are we doing? Uh, we have one woman and four men. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's, it's not a good idol, not a good uh, role model uh, for the FAs. And, um, and now we started about that, but it's, uh, all the time it's, it's harder to discuss it uh, with your structures and the organization you are in. It's more easy to tell others to do something. And it's about sharing power. It's about, um, yeah, about... Um, looking in a critical way in your organization and how you can what you can do better so um yeah i think it's a it's a, the important thing is to raise awareness for this uh topic and um to build uh, networks and to have more role models of course but also people who are in the in the second row and in the third row and support um yeah equality I love that. And I think football is just a nice microcosmos of what happens outside. And we see these beautiful reflections of how we would want to see our society through our football. So, so, so I do, I, I think that maybe five years from now, and I think that's gonna be my closing question to you. I'm not gonna go 10 years ahead because I need Sophia and I to still be on the board. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I, because I, I'm gonna want to catch up on this. So I'm gonna say, what do we see five years ahead 
I'm not going to go so far. Uh, I think that COVID is giving us this um, opportunity to reflect and revisit our missions and our goals and kind of ask ourselves all these questions that we've never asked before. So I am challenging us to say, how do we see gender equality in sports five years ahead? Or even how do you see it within your organizations? Sophia, you're first. Um, I think we will see even more women in, in high positions and, and in more visual positions uh, within uh, the supporter scene in Sweden. Um, but I also think that we will see more women represented in the football clubs on higher management positions as well. Um, see more and more women taking um, board positions on Swedish football clubs. And um, I'm waiting for more uh, women who are CEOs of football clubs as well. Um, taking a position in, in, the, in the league's board and uh, the FA as well. I think uh, for, those, for both the FA and the league, we've only had men above 55 or even 60 uh, when they started out. Um, I don't think we will have a woman there in five years. But I think we are going to get closer even there. I think, uh, and also more women taking positions in uh, FAs, leagues, and clubs from, uh, the, uh, from a supporter background, um, having been active in their supporter club or in SFSU, uh, gaining that experience and taking that to a new level for their club. We have a lot of people already in. Uh, in the different management levels and on boards, but not that many women with a supportive background. And I think that in five years, we will see even more. So we're going to be everywhere. I love your optimism. And I actually believe that's going to happen because your, your work has so much impact in your country. I love that. Um, thank you, Sophia. And Helen, we are back to you. Five years ahead, fast forward. Um, tell me more about gender equality in sports and football? Um, of course, it's, it's a, lot of, uh, a lot of things. I, I wish that they change and I will do everything for that. But it's, um, it's, I can look, have a pessimistic uh, look and I will say nothing will change in five years because five years are very uh, short for changing structures. But I don't want to end with that. So um, I really hope that uh, the discussions that we, we do have in the fan scene, but we also have on the level of the FAs in Germany. And I think this is very important because we have it on both. And, it's, and for example, in fan scenes, we, I think we discuss it uh, for a longer time than in the FAs, but uh, now it's very public. And a lot of uh, women with power and might, they, they speak about that and they speak about how um, women can uh, go in the FAs and for example, CEO or board members in the clubs. And so I think in, in five years, um, it will change and we will see women um, in, in chair, uh, in the board of, of clubs and in the FA as uh, representatives. And I really hope that the, um, it gets in the fans in more and more normal that it's, uh, yeah, in, in a way, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man, but uh, of course, with more women visible uh, there. And I, I think it's, it's a, 
we, we talked about that, for example, in the Fantastic Females uh, exhibition. And, and I think in this exhibition, you saw that there, there are women, but you have to highlight them because they, you, you can't see them sometimes. And I remember always a picture um, a researcher showed when, when she spoke about women in football. And um, then she highlighted the women who are in the stands because you didn't see them on the first, because you see a, a lot of people. And then you saw, okay, there are a lot. And I, and I really um, wish that, yeah, they, they get visible because they are there and we are there. And so in five years, um, it's more visible that there are 30%, for example, uh, in, in the stands and then 30% minimum in the, uh, in the board and in all re representative um, roles. But it's a hard way and we do need everyone for that. I love that, Helen. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it really is something that we need to understand. It's a shared effort. Um, may I, like, let's hope that in the future, there's no need for an International Women's Day or month. And that the fact that we are chairwoman or former chairwoman, <laughs> chairwoman we're, we're not the last. And we make sure that the future, this is why we represent our organizations at large. Um, but also our countries. And this is uh, what we need to do to make a better future for football. Not only because uh, we are women, but because if policy is made without 50% of the population reflected in the discussion, it is never going to work. So it really is the point of the matter that if we want things to work productively, we need it to reflect 100% of society. And it goes a long way with football. It's not only, just like Helen was saying, you talk to your local FA, um, but then you look and reflect on yourself and you can't expect something when you don't do it yourself. So it really is about making those efforts to make it a more inclusive environment for it to be possible uh, to hold the position. So. I thank you both. This was a very inspiring late afternoon um, for me. Uh, thank you for your time, your sharing, your knowledge. Uh, eventually, I'm going to have to give the podcast back to Luke, but uh, I hope you had a good time. Hello again. It's, uh, it's Luke here. Um, what a privilege it was to listen in on that discussion uh, between Daphne, Sophia, and Helene. Um, and I really do hope that, um, you know, everybody listening uh, will be thinking more about how we can work together uh, towards equality um, in supporters organisations and in football in general. Um, so to finish, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to Daphne for stepping in to host this special podcast and to Helen and Sophia for coming on as guests and sharing an insight into their experiences. Um, it was fantastic. And of course, uh, as ever, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. To find out more about SD Europe, uh, go to our website, which is www.sdeurope.eu.